You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we are talking about albums of our generations. Now, we can't be objective with any list, but we're going to go ahead and talk about our personal albums of our generations. So for me, who uh, falls squarely within Gen Z, um, I will be be 1997 to uh, up until 2021, and then my dad will be from the Great War up until now. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into these. But are there any uh, rules that you'd like to establish or any other uh, things that our listeners should know before we go into well, it? Well, I think that you've done a good job. I, uh, it's important to say that these are not necessarily – I think this is a little bit of a, of a combination of things. So yeah. when I say the five albums of my generation, I'm thinking in, in a sense of did I like them? Yes. Yes. Were they the top-selling in some cases, yes, right. but not always. And they're just sort of, you know, one of the great things about music is that it takes you to a certain place. I agree. When you hear a song, you recall where you were when you heard it a previous time, mm-hmm. oftentimes. And so the, as time passes, that happens even more. Uh, there's even greater nostalgia to that. Music is the same, but you're different. How crazy is that? Did you make that up? Well, you know, we can't touch music, but music can touch us. So... Uh, enough with the platitudes. So, oh, okay. So uh, the point is, is that this is not a de- this this is not a definitive ranking. It's of not Rolling Stone, five, right? It's not whatever. It's just our personal significant, favorites. Yes, and and significant albums during our lifetimes. Okay. For uh, one example, before we get into it, uh, so maybe you could say one of the top artists of my generation was Taylor Swift, and I would say that's probably objectively true. I. Full disclosure, do not have a Taylor Swift album in here, uh, even though I acknowledge her importance and legendary status among my generation. But uh, she is not, none of her albums are within my favorites that I would say defined sort of my 23 years here. So that's sort of the direction we're taking. So do you want to get into it with your first album? I will. All right. This won't be popular, but I'm going to go with a classic from 1989, Mm -hmm. Like a Prayer. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, Madonna at the the top of her game, um, just sort of redefining herself yet again. Yeah. Um, and with really sophisticated uh, sort of grown-up pop singles. And from that album, you you got this, the title track. I remember the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Express Yourself. You got Oh Father. You got Cherish. Um, you had, a, you had a, a good number of, you know quintessential pop singles that really defined the latter part yeah. of the decade. Yeah, it wasn't um, just bubblegum pop anymore, right? Yeah, and I think that that's one of the great things about her as an artist. She grew over mm-hmm. time, right? And, and that's what you want to see an artist do. But the, the magic for her was that she was able to maintain her audience and actually grow her audience because the music was still so good, mm-hmm. but the music was maturing like she was. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people uh, really appreciate uh, meaningful growth in artists, especially when their music sounds as good or better. Mm-hmm. It's like sequels, of course. You know, yeah. they can go right and they can go wrong. But, you know, Madonna's still putting out music today. Yeah. And uh, she even had another sort of revival in the late 90s, I believe, with um, 
Uh, it was that dance electronic album she put out. What was it? MDNA? Uh, no, it was the one with uh, Substitute for Love on it. Oh, that one is awesome. Ray, Ray of Light. Light. Ray of Light. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, I so, could have put that in my... <laughs> my Unless it came out before September. But regardless, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into my first one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say Blonde by Frank Ocean. Now, most people know about... Uh, so Frank Ocean, uh, sort of describing to the audience and my father here, um, he was... I've heard of him. Yeah, he was part of a sort of rap group, uh, R&B uh, group, that sort of made waves across the internet. It was like... So Tyler, the creator, created Odd Future, and then he created this sort of parent company, Golf Media, where they had a show on Adult Swim, and they released a ton of albums. They collaborated with each other. They were like their own label, and they were all just a bunch of young guys living with each other at once. So they were some of the biggest internet sort of, uh, I guess, like marketers of their music in a time when that wasn't really happening almost at all. So uh, Frank Ocean, uh, he released Channel Orange in 2012, and most people probably would pick that just over Blonde, but Blonde came out during a time where I wasn't um, able to actually listen to it when it released. So um, Frank Ocean is very, very private. You know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't really say when he's going to release his music. And at this point in time, uh, he had dropped it as a surprise. And I was mm. on uh, an experience where I didn't have the phone or any contact with the outside world or sort of, you know, I was hiking in a remote area and I was gone for a month and the album actually released within that time. I remember coming back and that was one of the first uh, albums that some of my friends and I on the program listened to. And it was just really special because when you're excited for something new, sometimes you have to try really hard to like it and you think you like it more than you actually do. But this one was just genuinely good. I remember the first half of the album was just something super special. It sort of relaxed me. And I don't think I could ever really match the feeling of what it's like to reintegrate into society mm. and hear something that good and so calming ever again. So for that reason, it's special to me. And I think it's slightly better than Channel Orange. But Blonde by Frank Ocean, amazing album. What do you got? Okay. Well, next up for me is an album from 1981. Yeah. And it is Escape. Escape by Journey. Okay. So I only know three Journey songs, I think. And what do you know? Uh, Open Arms is one, right? Well, and then, came from Escape. Yes. Uh, obviously, Don't Stop Believing. Also came from Escape. And it's uh, it's the final count. No, is that Europe? No, that's that, Europe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's the other one. It's like Who's Crying Now? Uh, that came from Escape too. I. I remember how it goes. It's like the synthesizer. That one. Oh, no. I think that's Steve Perry. Separate. Is it? Separate way. I don't know. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's is, a great song. Is that Journey? Yeah, that was on their next album, I think. Okay. Yeah. So those are the three Journey songs now. Okay. Well, they're all good. And um, let's face it. Don't Stop Believing is a song that everyone, I mean, just about everybody on the planet has heard. Oh, it's pervasive. And it's just as popular now I, as it I was I was at a ball then. game last Thursday night, and they were playing it, and everybody in the stands was literally singing it. And you go on a cruise, and everybody knows the words. And I, and I turned to a friend, of a friend of mine, and I said, how cool would it be to write a song that permeates culture and society so much so that 30, 40 years later, people know all the words. How do you feel about the song now? Don't I know you. Believing. I know you love the album, but after hearing it for so long, how do I, you how do you feel about it? I love the song. Really? Don't stop believing. That's so I funny. Absolutely love. The do you song. run to that one? 
yeah, I think so. I hear it everywhere. And I don't get me so. wrong, I still like the song, but I don't think I can just like put it on right there. Yeah. But I'll admit, Journey, of course, is you know a classic 80s band, and I always enjoyed them when I heard 80s on 8 on mm-hmm. the radio. So To me, it's a little bit like um, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. That's the other song that everybody knows, and that's really cool, too. Or Born in the USA, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know all the words to Born in the USA. I know the, I I know the chorus. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was really sort of the the the, the peak, perhaps, of, of Journey's popularity. And maybe that's an unfair statement, but I just remember, I mean, it went nine times platinum. Wow. Sold over 12 million copies. That just doesn't happen and anymore. And had five top 20 singles. Five? So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think Katy Perry was the one to match that next if well, Michael had Jackson had done ones. it. Yeah, this was yeah. five top twenty, okay. uh, with four of them being in the top ten. So anyway, it was a classic album. And Open Arms is still also a great song too. Yeah, so really cool. Anyway, that's my uh, number four, Escape by Journey. Great. All right. Uh, so my next one is going to be Born to Die by Lana Del Rey. It was her debut album, and it was kind of interesting because she had one hit that was on, I believe, SoundCloud or MySpace, uh, well before this album came out. It was called Video Games, and it just blew up. It was huge. And so she got a recording contract through that. And, you know, with a lot of people who get famous over the internet, they only have, they they might be one-trick ponies. This album is almost a 10 out of 10 to me. I mean, every single song is fantastic. I've listened to it almost probably every week since 2012 when it released. Just her range of voice, the subject matter that she talks about, it's both tongue-in-cheek, it's sort of retro, vinyl, it's fun, and it's just so catchy. You know, I can listen to it um, during any sort of music genre listening session. It can be, you know, alternative pop, and then I'll be listening to that. I could be listening to rock or metal, and then I could just go and listen to Lana Del Rey. Her voice is great. That was really my favorite era of the stuff that she did, but Born to Die is just fantastic on so many levels, and it boasts an amazing production quality that I think wasn't really captured by any other artists at the time. She sounds both vintage, but also of that time, and that was really cool. A little bit like Amy Winehouse did? You know what? I think she was sort of going for that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think she cited her as an influence, mm. but... Um, her first two albums, uh, Born to Die and Ultraviolence, oh my gosh, some of my favorite records ever. Do but, you run to those? Um, I can't really run to softer music mm. too much. It has to be a little bit faster paced. Like, That's why I I'd say I jur- I'd say those songs. I don't know what the tempo is. I'd say like, Journey is the baseline of yeah. what I can run I to. That. Yeah, okay. All right, so that is my number two pick. What's okay. yours? My uh, next one is... Synchronicity by The Police. Synchronicity? Yes. I wonder if I'm going to hear Huey Lewis in the news on here. um, You are not, though you should, because that would be an honorable mention. Interesting. Synchronicity was released uh, in 1982. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, 1983. And it spawned five hit singles, and you probably have heard at least one of them a lot. Mm -hmm. Every Breath You Take. Every Breath You Take. Oh, that's classic. Yeah, exactly. And that was... It also spawned um, Wrapped Around Your Finger. Don't Stand So Close to Me. No, that was on a previous album. I think that was Ghost in the Machine. Synchronicity 2 and King of Pain, which is one of my favorites too. But uh, anyway, it's just a classic. And you know, when I think about sort of... um, I was thinking about this while I was running yesterday, in fact, because Every Breath You Take came on. Yeah. Um, When I think about the significance of... Significant bands of the 80s... Hmm? One of the ones that I think is often 
maybe not often underappreciated, is the police. I remember when it was announced that they were breaking up. Of course, Sting was the, was the lead singer of the, the police. The police were underrated at a certain point? Yeah, I, I think in, in, in retrospect, they were huge. They're now, from the UK, though. They're, they're not American, they right? Correct. They okay. were huge. But in retrospect, I don't feel like they received the accolades that my next huh. band does largely because my next band is still performing together but but the police were huge and it was a big deal when they were breaking up and i remember thinking well they can't break up they just got really popular but sting went his own way and had a really successful solo career and sting is cool as anything i was about to say sting probably got the best deal out of that i mean i've seen him in movies before oh absolutely yeah yeah so synchronicity was big and synchronicity was was really strong musically and uh, when I hear some of those songs, I think, yeah, that was that was significant to my to my adolescence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, I also like um, the Police as a band. Uh, I think their music is super catchy, and you know, every step you take is just an all time classic. But I think it's interesting what you say about how people view them in retrospect, because whenever you hear the name, you're like, yes, they're popular, and you know, it's generally a positive thing, but they're not held sort of up to the greats necessarily. Are Do you they? agree? I would. I would say so. I would say yeah, so. It just surprises me that uh, I mean, I think people have great respect for the police, and their sound was very different than. We also don't live in the United Kingdom, opinion. so it might yeah. be uh, might be a lot bigger yeah, over there. The next band I'm going to talk about is um, also not American, and huh, but but a little bit of different circumstance because they're still together. So. What's up for you next? Cool. All right. Up next for me, uh, speaking of great bassists, uh, it is Stadium Arcadium by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, do you? I love yeah. myself some Red Hot Chili Peppers. Have you ever seen them in concert, Noah? I have. I saw them in Luxembourg. Actually, I've told this story. Yeah, but if you didn't listen to that episode, then I saw them. Well, I'm sure everyone listened to that episode. <laughs> well, I saw them in 2016. It was $88 for standing room Uh tickets in this great venue but uh so flea came onto the stage doing a handstand and they were so good Mm. so good i mean you know 30 years in the business it's like nothing had changed and most people would probably be like well what about californication and i'll tell you that came out in 1999 so it was within my realm and wow that is a great album i think stadium arcadium is the best it's a double album so there's i think 28 30 songs on it and there's just a lot to love there's a lot of diversity in terms of just musical style the chili peppers were never uh sort of a band to stay in one box Mm -hmm. and i feel like they do a good mix of rock sort of slow like blues uh poppy stuff and even a little bit of heavier stuff and then they get really wacky and zany they get groovy they get funky this album really has something that most people would enjoy and you probably know the song danny california right Yes, I do. Yes, and then I there's also another song under the bridge, but that's not from that, right? No, okay. that is from an album I probably can't uh, repeat the name of on this uh, podcast. But uh, you might have heard "Snow" as well. It's very popular. Mm-hmm. I think the guitar uh, from that song was actually taken from a very famous violinist named Yo-Yo Ma. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, it had a lot of popularity just for those couple songs. Mm-hmm. A couple were featured on Rock Band, but I mean, in general, I would say that album is just so beautiful in so many ways and just quite a journey it's really a roller coaster it's you know it's very you feel like you know it kind of takes you to outer space hence the name very aptly titled i Mm -hmm. think it's really cool so uh yeah uh, that is stadium arcadium by the red hot chili peppers what do you got next all right 
Next up, which is my number two, leading up to my top, um, is the Joshua Tree. By you 2 By you 2 Released in 1987. And I'm here to tell you, if ever there was a band, I, I don't know, I, I don't even know how to describe this. I think I, we, I knew, I was a first year student in college. Mm-hmm. It was the spring. It was um, released in March. And I remember knowing, even though I was not a fan of U2 necessarily up to that point in time. I mean, they had some big hits, um, but I think they found their audience. And it was, it was, how do I say this? You knew that this album was going to blow up because yeah. they were just on the cusp. And then, of course, With or Without You, mm. I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, uh, Where the Streets Have No Name, were the three biggest hits. Uh, In God's Country, One Tree Hill, five uh, five singles from the album. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, most people can immediately know With or Without You, right? That is a classic song yeah. of all time with one of the most stirring vocals, I think, of any yeah. performer. Well, Bono's voice is just incredibly yeah. unique. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what I was saying earlier about, you know, Sting is sort of in a class by himself. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that Bono certainly is as well. Oh, yeah. Um, the difference in the two is that, you know, obviously the police, dis- for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. disbanded uh, <laughs> in, you know, the 80s, whereas U2 is still going strong. Yeah, and um, I think they unconsensually released an album mm-hmm. in 2014 onto all of our iPhones, but overall, I actually really liked a couple songs off that one. Yeah. Um, fun story about Bono. Um, there is a, uh, there's sort of, um, I remember reading that one time he forgot his famous, you know how he like wears hats and yeah. sunglasses, so he forgot them uh, when he was on a tour, mm-hmm. and he wanted to have them so bad that he flew them first class, like across like quite a few either countries it. or states. Yeah, and I think he's worth like eight hundred million dollars uh-huh. or close to a billion. But you know, U uh, two is just an interesting band because they're very you know contemporary adult, but they're also just. They've had a lot of popularity throughout the years. They had another resurgence with Beautiful Day, I remember, and that's my generation's version of U2. The Joshua Tree just set off, set in motion two decades Mm -hmm. of extraordinary popularity. Yeah, and you know what? If you've been alive in the last 60, 70 years, you probably know at least one U2 song. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we're moving on to my fourth pick. and Or your number two, if you're going from... Five to one. These are in no particular order. Oh, okay. Uh, for myself, okay. at least. But um, this is going to be Songs for the Deaf, uh, which narrowly overtakes Like Clockwork by Queens of the Stone Age. Now, most people, uh, if they've ever heard of Queens of the Stone Age, probably recognize them for their songs Go With the Flow or um, No One Knows. Uh, they came out with a very popular album called Rated R before that, and they were also featured on Guitar Hero with their song Threes and Sevens. And then they took a hiatus uh, from 2007 to 2013 and released Like Clockwork, which was very well received. Um, there's something about Queens of the Stone Age. They're my favorite band right now. I mean, they are just incredible. I cannot stop listening to their music. It's just a great mixture of just like sort of like dirty rock, like great sort of like pop rock, heavier rock. Uh, Dave Grohl, who um, is uh, 
was the drummer for Nirvana and the main guy for the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, complete legend. He's best friends with the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme, and he did all of the drumming on uh, the album Songs for the Deaf. And this album is aptly titled because it is loud, but it also gets really soft in some moments. You know, there's uh, places where it's loud and frenetic, but it's not metal. It's still rock. It's got the popular hits. It's got the deeper cuts. It's got the sort of, like, funny little tongue-in-cheek songs, and then it's got this amazing hidden track at the end called Mosquito Song that's kind of folky, really. Um, I I just think this album really showcases some of the best of, like, what they've done, and I love all of their catalog, but if anything, I think most people could find at least one song uh, to listen to on here. Uh, Do It Again is also an amazing track. So, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Okay. Uh, Well, my number one, what do you got? Not that you have a ranking, but I do. All right. I guess. And, and I said to you the other night... Thriller? Yes. Yeah, it had, thriller, to, it, it, had, it had to be. It had yeah, to be. Yeah, it's Thriller by Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah. obviously, uh, say what you want about Michael Jackson, we will never know. At the end of the day, that music is amazing. Oh, yeah. So from the very start with um, the, um, the Girl Is Mine... And then switching gears a little bit to Billie Jean, which is a great song to run to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Beat It was, I mean, Beat It was huge while Billie Jean was still huge. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite song on the album is the title, Thriller. And I love that song. Really? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is Want to Be Starting Something. I Isn't mean, it funny going. how Thriller really sort of seems like it would be a Halloween or seasonal track. Oh, that's what but I play it. You can play that it. and the Monster Mash. Yeah, exactly. But you can play it whenever. I've heard Thriller oh, in absolutely. January yeah. and all other types of seasons before because it's just that pervasively mm-hmm. popular. Mm-hmm. Same with Billie Jean. Michael Jackson's music is iconic. And, I mean, who hasn't heard or loved at least, you know, three to five of his songs? I mean, if anything, I have to say Thriller is probably the definitive album of all time uh, i would say i right? would not disagree with you yeah um so very good choice um thank you my next one uh this was so difficult for me it's technically his last one but i bet he has some honorable mentions um i do yeah i think i have like one or two honorable mentions so this one was really really tough but i was between drake and kanye west on this one and i had to go with drake and that is 2011's take care so, Take Care was Drake's follow-up album to Thank Me Later, and uh, originally Drake was an actor on a teen sort of Nickelodeon TV soap drama. You no, know, I think I knew that, but I didn't really know that. Yeah, and so people were still trying to sort of figure out what they could make of Drake. You know, there was Drake memes going around about, you know, he's a little bit lame, a little bit sappy, but, you know, makes good music, and Take Care sort of had this tone of him being melancholy and sort of, you know, being a romantic, a hopeless romantic, but also sort of like um, somebody who could rap really well, who could sing really well, who could carry a tune very well, and also somebody who could be sad about fame, but also flaunt his success at the same time while sort of carefully balancing very melodic tunes with the likes of Rihanna. We had Rick Ross on the album. Um, everybody probably my age remembers Take Care Itself and Marvin's Room and, you know, just a number of other amazing tracks off that album. Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, if there's one album that everybody my age has probably listened to in full, it's got to be Take Care. Mm. So, yeah. All right. So you have some honorable mentions. I'm going to just go with one honorable mention. Okay. 
And, you know, there could have been several, but yeah, I'm trying to play by the rules here. Yeah. Okay. Of course. So, my honorable mention goes to Jagged Little Pill Jagged by Alanis Morissette. Huh. So, uh, you're not familiar with it? Seriously. Um, I The only song I know by her is Clean Hands. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's not even on this. So, Four Hands Clean? Something like that. Yeah. That's on uh, the next one, which has got the coolest name of any album in the world, but I'll tell you that in a second. Released on March, uh, on June 13th. So, almost... Almost 26 years ago to the day that we are recording, wow. released and spawned six singles that are just iconic. You Ought to Know, Hand in My Pocket, Ironic, love that song, mm-hmm. You Learn, uh, Head Over Feet, and All I Really Want. Great sort of angst-ridden, just really tapped into um, a generation that was on the cusp of frustration and anger and uh i think just it spoke to a lot of adolescence 1996 right 1996 yes. i think that's actually a really insightful mm-hmm. sort of look at that time because mm-hmm. that's when sort of new metal a mixture of rap and metal mm-hmm. sort of like came to the forefront became super popular and that was very angst-ridden very driven by you know sort of what? How can this generation sort out its feelings? It went from the Nirvana alternative, sort of against the grain, sort of thing, to how can I, you know, it, it was. It's very interesting that you say that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think 1996 just kind of leads right into what the early 2000s was sort of putting off in its music. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a huge album, big. Her her, her follow up album has the best title of any album in history, in my opinion. Supposed former infatuation junkie. Huh. Interesting. Uh, and you know, much like. Almost all the artists that I've named and these particular albums, it was almost impossible to um, ascend to the same level of popularity and success as these particular albums garnered for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alanis Morissette has sort of, I'm not going to say suffered as since then. She's hardly suffered. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this was her, this was her, um, her, her, her big album. Much like what's she done since then? Uh, she's done several albums, and she, you uh-huh. know, on a smaller scale, but yeah. she's done several. She just uh, released one, I think, last year, which was quite good. In fact, I was streaming it not too long ago. But I mean, if you think about it, even Michael Jackson, who had a string of other hugely popular albums like Bad and Dangerous, we all know Thriller is the quintessential, right? Of course. If you list Madonna, you're going to say probably True Blue or Like a Prayer or maybe Ray of Light. If you list Journey, you're going to say Escape. No question, the Joshua Tree in uh, for you too. So, my point being is that these were this was the pinnacle of their success. Yeah. Even though all of these artists have garnered tremendous success before and since. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. So. Um, I think my honorable mention uh, is going to go to. Well, I was stuck between two people because it's hard to choose these things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Kanye West, which uh, from his 2016 album, The Life of Pablo. So 2016 was a very uh, transitional year for me and many other people in my high school graduating class because it was the summer going to college or the summer sort of going into the rest of your life. And that sort of period of three months had incredible music, just awesome stuff that I think sort of to what you were saying harkens us back to a time where it was really the last time I didn't really have responsibilities except to sort of look ahead to the future you know and I felt like the album was 
sort of a mishmash of some of his best work, some of the rougher cuts that he did, but also something that was entirely its own. And I really appreciate that about the album. Um, it was something that I listened to quite often, and I think a lot of people can agree that while it might not be their favorite work of his, it was certainly a very, very uh, good uh, piece of music for that summer. And a lot of people would probably say Views by Drake, but I think half of the album is fine. I was this close to saying Teenage Dream. but Really? But you know what? It's very popish. I, I Noah. loathe Firework. I cannot hear that song anymore and just be completely like infuriated by it. So um, it's it, that's one of those songs that has had probably the prevalence of maybe... Well, obviously, it hasn't been a long, around as long as Don't Stop Believing, but it's going to be the happy. Like, it happy, you know the song Happy, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, happy is just so overplayed, and then firework is so overplayed, and then they play it, like, when fireworks uh, happen, like, 4th of July and stuff like that. So, my voice is cracking a lot today. I apologize. I think I'm losing it a bit. But, um, yeah, I, I love Teenage Dream. But I have to say... Uh, uh, Kanye West sort of uh, takes over that one. Well, I'll just add, since you had two sort of honorable mentions, yeah. I'm just going to throw in Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, um, Rumors is great. I mean, Rumors is great. Just, is the chain on that one? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Not offhand. But I will tell you, there is no other voice, will never be another voice, like Stevie Nicks. Yes, Stevie Nicks has collaborated with Lana Del Rey quite, uh, quite a few times. I mean, that voice... There's nothing like it. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. <laughs> and that's what makes them special. Right. Besides their exactly. amazing music. Amazing music. Some Did you ever get songs. to see them live? No. Mm. No. Man. No. All of them are still around, right? We've done an episode on who I've seen live, remember? Yeah, but I didn't... You forgot, like, some of them. Yeah. And I forgot. It's been a long time. It's been a long road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, cool. Those are... Those are our uh, picks for the albums of, kind of our fun. respective generations. I agree. You yeah. know, I learned a little bit more. I mean, you know, I could probably guess that most of it, if not all, was in the '80s, except for Alanis <laughs> Morissette. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I there's did that too, isn't there? But you know, I sort of learned the personal significance behind uh-huh. uh, some of it for you, yeah. and I think you probably got a little bit more of a window into you know some of the stuff. I, I definitely. Like. I mean, honestly, I you know I are you don't dislike '80s music. And the music that I like, but the genre that you like is much um, is harder core. Heavier. Than, yeah, right. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. I love I love pop and I love my slower music, yeah. but, you know, it's just whenever I run or exercise and sometimes just, you know, driving around the car, like, I love myself some metal. Pumps you up. Very cool yeah, stuff. Rock I metal. It. I really like it. I get um, it. Completely. Cool. All right. Uh, do you have any recommendations or are, am I kind of catching you off guard here? Because no. I actually do have one recommendation. Well, go for it. So, you might have heard our candy eating episode where we were eating uh, Reese's uh, Fast Breaks at one point in time, and there was smaller ones. And I remember liking enough, probably one of the better ones, but uh, my dad uh, just recently uh, gave me a bar, like a longer bar of these Reese's, of this Reese's Fast Break candy. That was amazing. That was such a good candy. So if you can find them somewhere, I guess gas station, grocery store, or you know somewhere else, pharmacy. Hopefully you're not buying candy from a pharmacy. But uh, regardless, amazing candy. I really enjoyed that, and I can't wait to have my next one. So okay, yeah. Well, I've got one for you. So this is a pretty special episode because this this is one of the last that we will be doing 
together in the same space for a while. Yes. And so um, in honor of that, I want to say that uh, Noah and I share a great affinity for the, the beverage Propel. Oh, yes. And so I'm just going to give a shout out and a recommendation uh, about Propel in general. Good call. Because you have supplied me with many a Propel over the last year, and I've very much appreciated that. Yeah. But I'm not a, I'm not a, a Gatorade person. I don't drink soda. Um, so for me, it's water, milk, coffee, and Propel, thanks to you. So we'd like for them to sponsor us. And um, if they hear this and they want to talk to us, we'll be happy to put you in touch with our people. <laughs> However, um, that's my recommendation, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually might be responsible for about uh, a quarter of Propel sales uh, in North Carolina, at least. But uh, Propel, if you're listening to this, hit us up. We love you. And with that, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy, Easy Talk. Talk.